0: For decades, Goldie's Deli served up some of the borough's finest Jewish cuisine alongside a dining experience like no other in an authentic, retrofitted New York City subway car. Since the restaurant closed in 2012, the train's whereabouts have been a mystery, until now.
1: We know the, that vintage stuff is a sweet spot for the newspaper, especially restaurant-themed things. There just seems to be a thing for for, for the old Staten Island. I started doing some research online and I found an old Reddit thread or something that talked about the Goldens. It, it was, it, or some other kind of thing that you, it, it mimics that kind of setup. And then I found this gentleman's name, Tom Zufali. This guy is, is a transit memorabilia nut from his childhood riding the subways in Queens. So some friend of his called. He said, Tom, you know, this, this is right up your alley. He looks at it and he buys it.
0: Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance senior opinions writer Tom Robleski to discuss his recent quest to track down the iconic subway car that once graced one of the borough's most beloved eateries. Thanks for joining me today, Tom. You know, it's crazy to think that 2023 is really coming to a close already. And yeah. it's certainly been another eventful year here on Staten Island. Yeah. And so I was curious, you know, your job as the opinions writer, you get to comment on all these stories. Coming on your up stories. Yeah, a lot of times. Time. Yeah, so stories. thank you for that. Yeah, yeah no problem. And so I was wondering what stood out to you over the past 12 months as some of the biggest stories and, and some of the things you're looking at, you know, as we move into the next year.
1: Well, I, I think the congestion pricing story that you've been following, that I've been following, and it's kind of like been hanging over us mm-hmm. here on Staten Island. So I think that, again, the uh, speed cameras, that's always very popular. I'm not just trying to flatter you because these yeah, are yeah. stories, but the migrant crisis that we've seen on that's Staten Island. stood out to me for sure. And now you're kind of seeing the real, and again, because now it's money coming out of the pocket, right? You're seeing the real world implications of a political policy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the migrant shelter thing, I think, was really kind of took over, especially our team, right, on Correct. public interest and advocacy. Correct. For for a couple months there, it was just nonstop in terms of the protests and the court lawsuits and the this and the that and in, re- in regards to, you know, how Staten Islanders were responding to these shelters opening up here. And like you said, there really is now the real world implications in terms of we see the amount of money that the city is spending on Correct. this. And right. then you see the proposed budgets come out. And what are they cutting? Is library service going down? Are they canceling school safety agent classes? Right. There's not necessarily a direct connection, But at the same time, if you're going to be spending all of this money on one thing, then you got to spend less money on other things. And We're so, talking
1: about billions think, of dollars, like the mayor says, mm-hmm. Mayor Adams says, on migrant services. And again, it has so many, so many tentacles, you know, brings so many things into play, the city versus the state. State and city versus the feds, whose responsibility is yeah. Now you're starting to feel the sort of gravitational undertow of 2024. We're all mm-hmm. start getting pulled forward into the, the presidential race. So this is a judgment on Biden, how he's managed right. the border, the Congress members. It's a national story happening in very broad strokes, capital at here on Staten Island. Yep. All right. So let's get to the reason
0: that I have you on today. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the outset, but... You made it sound
1: about... so cool the way you described it, too. It... <laughs> is the detective story. And we, we, well, you did you do know... quite
0: a bit of sleuthing here. And little so we, bit, we've little been little. talking about this for a long time in the newsroom. I feel like this goes back for a yeah. while. It's like, whatever happened with that? Because we saw every time that we rolled out any of this Golden's Deli content, right. these nostalgia right. vintage photos, right. whatever kinds of posts that it was resonating, right? And so right. But we'll get to that stuff later. Mm-hmm. But first, I want to just give a brief overview for the people who might not know it, the younger audience or the people who may not have visited there just Tell us a little bit about what Golden's Deli was,
1: where it was, and and just that kind of stuff. Well, I have to tell you, I, I had never been there, unfortunately. Oh, really? So, no, I had never We're been there. I, I, mean, it, the I mean, I mean, I I, I, I remembered, uh, you know, people talking about it. It was over in the Springville where the old Kmart used to be, but that was the general area of where that was. And again, it was one of those places that it was a, a lot of regular customers went there, like Jade Island as well, which is another one of those venerable places. It was there yeah. for a long time. And and the key selling point, besides the food, which I understand was delicious, mm-hmm. uh, was this. A real subway car, not just a, you know a mock-up or you know cardboard or plastic. An actual real. Now I don't know how they got their hands on it, And right. I did. Mean, the subway car was uh, built in the 1930s, I believe, 1938 or 39. So they had it there. They had it all decked out for dining. So that was one of the big hooks for the place. It's an interesting kind of dining experience. it's yeah. so, like I went to a place in, in Pittsburgh, which I know is close to your heart, which mm-hmm. is uh, was in an old bank. And, really, and the vault had you know had tables. In it. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, and the bar was like an old, you know, where, where they had... Like the, the customer, bank teller. Yeah, like the customer service, right. Yeah. So that kind of dining experience. And then the place closes in 2012. And, you know, okay, so people lament, you know, the closure of the place in and of itself, a piece of Staten Island iconography. Mm-hmm. And then they say, well, what if happened to the subway car?
0: Yeah. You know? And that's what you tried to figure out. And yeah, so just quickly before we get into all of that stuff, I was one of those regulars at Golden's yeah, Deli, yeah. my family was. Obviously, I was yeah. a kid at the time, but we went there quite often particularly my grandparents were from brooklyn they're both jewish (laughs) and so they would come to staten island and visit us we would bring the whole family out there the sad part for me was because we were a larger group we could rarely sit in the subway car because there would be my family of five and then we had the two grandparents so there's seven of us so we end up outside the car at one of the big tables and i'm always he can my head open. against the <laughs> yeah, window. Exactly. So yeah. And so I didn't get to sit in the car quite as much as I used to, but I did love that place. And we, we went there a lot. Did you take
1: pictures? Place. Did you take pictures for us? You know what?
0: That's a good question. God, my dad seen. my dad has tons of old photo albums. I should I should go through those and see if we've got anything That's in there. Gold. But I will shout out the matzo ball soup there. That was okay. the first place that I really had it. And it is still, you know, one of my favorites to this day. Thank yeah, sure. definitely shout out Golden's Deli. Totally miss them. We don't really have anything like that right now on Staten Island in terms of a proper Jewish deli restaurant. Uh, A sit-down place. Exactly, yes. With atmosphere, right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's get back to the subway car and and just talk to me a little bit about why you decided to kind of track this thing down and, and what the process was like in terms of finding it because obviously it's been ten years so and I don't even know what you had to go off of so how did you find this? Thing?
1: Well, we know we know the, that vintage stuff is a sweet spot for the newspaper, especially restaurant themed things. It just seems to be a thing for 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 the old Staten Island. That again, you're getting to the age now where a lot of some of the things you remembered. As a kid from you know. the nineties or whatever, or, and we knew every time we ran something out about Golden's Deli, people were reading it. I'm like, I'm like, and I'm, I'm kind of like a transit geek a little bit. I mean, i follow yeah. your footsteps a, a little bit with that. So I started doing some research online, and I found there was a it was either an old Reddit thread or something that talked about the Golden's. It, it was it, or some other kind of thing that, you, that mimics that kind of setup, yeah. or like an old chat room.
0: Yeah, like an, an old forum, ch- yeah. Yeah,
1: an old chat room you know, with transit geeks. I saw the mention Warwick, New York in there. So I started doing some research, not knowing, of course, that I think uh, Mark Stein, one of our colleagues, and Paul to one of our colleagues, had also tried to like, sort this thing out mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago. So I'm looking online. So I'm like, okay, Warwick, New York, that sounds like a good... So I called the Historical Society in Warwick, New York. I called the Chamber of Commerce in Warwick, New York. I'm kind of saying, it just seems, and some people are like, oh, I don't know. I, I hear something about that. I don't know. And then I found this gentleman's name, Tom Zufali. Mm-hmm. I found it online somewhere. I look him up and it's kind of like he's an art installer. And I'm mm-hmm. like, he's an art installer. You know, it doesn't really sound like it matches. Then my colleague Mark, who I do the Facebook Live with as well, said, oh, yeah, I think that rings a bell with me. Let me look back and see if I have an email. So he folded me an email thread where we would kind of track this guy down. And and, and this was the guy. There was a, And there was an email address. And that's how I initially got in touch with the guy. Wow. And so
0: I'm curious, how did he get this subway car up to Warwick? Because obviously that's a bit of a chore, I would imagine, bringing the subway car up. Because for people who don't know, Warwick's about an hour and a half, two hours. About an hour and a half.
1: Yeah. Well, nice Great place. Oh, it's beautiful. And you I know, go there. I, I have right.
0: friends there. there. There's some great disc golf courses out there if anyone's looking to play some disc golf. so. Um, but yeah, so how did he get the car up there?
1: Well, so he's so he's an art installer. Now, when I say art installer, you think it's like if you're hanging a picture on the wall. Now, this is a guy he's worked for Estee Lauder. He's worked for big corporate clients. He's worked for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. When you've got a painting that has to go on a whole wall, mm-hmm. you don't just drive a couple of nails in the wall and put some hangers on it. <laughs> It's or you or you're suspending something from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So this this guy's into this very high end stuff, and I'm telling you, he must do very well at what he does, right? Because he's got the means. He's got a seven acre piece of property in Warwick. Somebody had somebody else bought it from Goldens, and we and I, I was never able to track down who it was who bought it from Goldens, and they had it and it was stored kind of outside in like a like a lot in Brooklyn, and then Conant was kind of in the neighborhood. and They were building something behind it, and the he put it up for sale because it was going to get enclosed eventually it's kind of oh, a detail that i was boxed able in. it was going to get boxed in by some other building that was going on mm-hmm. this is more detail than i put into the stuff well, that's what the
0: podcast is for exactly get so, to it behind the
1: scenes. so we so so we, this guy is a transit memorabilia nut all right and for real from from his childhood riding the subways in queens so some friend of his called, he said tom this is right up your alley why don't you go so he looks at it and he buys it so of course Spent about fifteen thousand dollars to buy it. It was in very bad condition. Been yeah. stored outside. It was all you know, run down. So he basically uh, he hires a, a Manhattan firm. They put it on a on a flatbed. Yeah, takes it up there. Now the thing interesting was I wish I had film of this. We had some some photos of it that went with the story that yep. we did. This flatbed had to like back down like a kind of a serpentine kind of snaky driveway. Oh, to get into to get to get it into his property, which you know those roads are very narrow. You're in the woods. So that's and then he had then he had to have a crane there to lift it off the flatbed and to place it on a a concrete flooring that he had built. He's kind of got a barn area in the back of his home where it's like his his playhouse where he does all his remodeling stuff very handy yeah. guy as you can imagine mm-hmm. he's got all this other stuff on his property as well so that's how that's how he got it up there so this is and it, like his motto was in the first art installation business is, hey if it's impossible call me so he had the knowledge and the means to seems like the like perfect that. guy for that yeah and when he was rolling it in you could still see it said golden's in the window and it was still that kind of yellow color that people remember now it's been repainted to its old a traditional lot like a dark green color
0: yeah and so uh when you found this guy, you decided to take a trip up there yourself, right? Yes. To interview him, get yes. some photos, yes. all that kind of stuff. So tell me a little bit about that process, because obviously it's a nice little drive. You get to go up there, enjoy
1: the yes. being out of the yes. city
0: for a little bit. But also I know you were doing a lot of work because we've put out so much content yes. surrounding yes. this. So tell us a little bit about what your trip was like. It
1: probably took over two months to finally zero in, because the gentleman Tom Zafali, does a lot of travel for his job. He goes overseas. He doesn't know what his schedule is all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think I first contacted him at the end of September. I didn't go up there until, I guess it was November, or I don't even know when the story the story was just published. It took a long it took a long time. And again, I'll be in in full disclosure. I went up on a Sunday, mm-hmm. so my wife and I my wife traveled with me. So we did a Sunday in Warwick and the surrounding area, a drowned lands a brewery, and we and we went into town. And then the Monday we went to gentleman's property, and you know we saw the car. Obviously, we mm-hmm. he, he, he totally renovated. It. He put a, a real a bar in the back of it because wow. the back of it, if you remember from Golden, you came it was kind of attached to the to the yeah, restaurant to the back right. wall. So there was no back to it was it. kind of cut off. Yeah. yeah, so he put a back on it and then he built a bar in the back and in fact his daughter had been married on the property it's a beautiful property photographers come and use his property to take uh, photos cool. for weddings and different yeah. things so his daughter had her reception on the grounds and the bar was used for the uh, for the wedding he's got um one or uh, these these cane seats which older riders will remember from the Staten Island trains and also they're kind of like it's hard to describe they're like these these yellow seats mm-hmm. he's got one original one from the 30s on there he's got all sort of period advertisements. And he painted it the original color. He has original plating with the number on it. He built it a mock train platform mm-hmm. with actual signs from subway stops in Queens that he remembers oh, cool. as a child. So when you when you roll up to the property, there's 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 the train, there's an overhang and then there's a platform that you can kind of and you walk through it. Guy couldn't have been nicer and and, and could tell you everything and, and he showed us his whole collection of different Trains. He's got buses. He's got a toy train that goes around that his grandkids ride on. That he's that he bought from an amusement park. He's got all this memorabilia. It's. uh, It was really. It was a fantastic trip.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I was curious because it sounds like in reading some of your articles that obviously this guy is just a transit enthusiast and a restorationist in in, yes. in many senses of the way. Yes. So yes. I saw one of your articles just kind of talking about that and why he does what he does in that regard. So can you talk to us just a little bit about why he is so interested in restoring these cars and making sure that they kind of still live on as they Outlive their useful lifespan. I
1: guess one of the things that first started him collecting, besides his childhood, his dad served in the Pacific you know, during World War II. Like my dad, when he served in the service uh, later, you take a train across the country, and then you know they ship you overseas. Mm-hmm. And he rode this Southern Pacific train. The father never talked about his military service, like a lot of like a lot like of, a fo- lot of folks, <laughs> like a lot of folks of that generation. But he talked about the train and sort of the romance. And you know, this is something that you can you can appreciate as mm-hmm. well. I mean, there's, there's a romance to these long distance train rides you're seeing different parts of the country. So this really kicked this thing off for this collector. And he's again, he has the means clearly to do this. But he also believes that as Americans, we are kind of in a disposable society. And again, like I'm almost sixty, I've been hearing this all my life. You've been here. And even now it's even more so your cell phone, your telephone. Your laptop, your whatever—it's a yep. year or two. You all switch it out. Nobody buys cars anymore; they they lease them, and then two years later, you can no lease a new one. So he says we're a little too quick to get rid of the past, and there's parts of America that are just vanishing, and and including like how we used to get around. Because, because so that's what really inspires him, and he's got stuff from when he was a child. You know, is uh, Roy Rogers uh, like a lunchbox from the 40s or 50s? I mean, real vintage, and the stuff is in pristine condition. He said his parents hated it because he goes, "Oh, my my bedroom used to be like a like an antique shop," Yeah. <laughs> you know, and my parents couldn't stand it.
0: That's funny. And so, is this uh, his property? Is it open? Can anyone go up and see this car? Or is this just like on his closed?
1: I home? mean, you, you 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 drive by; it's a, it's a public road, and okay. you and what you'll you you kind of have to go down the hill a little bit, like his driveway. But you'll see a big. Um, a railroad crossing arm. Oh, cool! With with lights. I don't know if it lights up at night, but yeah, you'll kind of see that. And if you're going back the other way, you'll see some of the stuff. He's got a, he's got an old city bus back there. Yeah, really? That was from the. I guess it must have been from the 50s or 60s, from when he was a kid. He goes, "This is the same kind of bus I used to ride to high school." I forget the name of the high school. It was in Queens. So he, goes, so he bought one of those. and He's going to restore the the inside of that. One of the trains. He bought a caboose for the uh, the train that his father took mm-hmm. while his house was being built. He lived in the train. On really? the property, and now it's like the changing room for his pool. So when you're going to go to the pool, and yeah, whatever, yeah, you go in. You train. go in there, and he's he's in the process of restoring the interior uh, of that as well. Plus, he's got all the stuff in that. He's got a tile um from the subway. He's got a tile as uh like a mosaic tile for yeah. a train stop. Fascinating thing he told me was not all of them were grouted. Hmm. They were they put the tiles on, but they can be rolled up. Like really, like, like a canvas painting. Yeah, and then you unroll it, and then stick you it unroll on the it, wall. and you stick it on. So he's going to move oh. that out somewhere put outside, it. put it outside by the train, so people can see that. Because at first, a lot of his collection was inside. Now, his a lot of his collecting is like actually on the grounds. If you pass by, you you can probably and you know who this guy is. Yeah, you can probably you can probably catch sight of it. And and listen, knock on the door. Yeah, not seems, not to encourage people to just like wander it, on the but right, but. Seems like a nice guy, and he's got some cool stuff to show off. And and, and we didn't make use of the bar in, in the car because we were working. Right, line, of, but, course, you of know, course. But certainly, I mean, that that might be part of the trip, too.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like it was a really cool trip, and I have know I've really been enjoying the content that, that has been coming out of it. And so I wanted to talk a little bit before we go just about our company's emphasis on some of this vintage and nostalgic content that we roll out on a pretty regular basis now. And I don't know if this is something that we've always been doing here, if this has kind of picked up in the last few years, but why kind of the the emphasis on rolling out this content these days?
1: Now, now I can remember Now I've been here since 1995 and we used to do a feature, I don't know if we still do it, um, called The Way It Was. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Mike Azara did this. So he was a the political writer before I was a political writer uh, a couple of years. He would find like an old photo of a street corner on Staten Island and said, Do you know what this looks like today? And can you name it was almost like it was a contest. Yeah, yeah. It was a very popular feature. And I think now that we have so many uh, things that can be photo centric, mm-hmm. and we realize people are like I remember when Annandale looked like that, or you know, over by Aldepis, like how Staten Islanders give, you know, directions, oh, the old crazy Eddie. Yeah, you know, yeah. people remember or the old airport. Or the old this and that, you'll be doing it. I mean, I'm sure you do it now, like, you know, in my neighborhood where Mickey's used to be. Now it's not. I say, oh, you know, by Mickey's. You right. used to be Mickey's or whatever. So, and I think that there's just a sweet spot for people because you, you don't, you don't, listen, you don't realize that you're getting older right? None of us do, uh,
0: you know. I do. And, I'm, I'm turning 30 this year, so I realize. I <laughs> so I'll be turning
1: 60 next year. And I always tell people, you know, youth is not an accomplishment. Like, it's a gift. Yeah. And and you already look back with fondness to things that you remember when you were a kid mm-hmm. or when you were a teenager, wherever you used to hang out, where you were drinking beers, where this store used to be, where the place you used to go to buy video games, which you don't, nobody does anymore because you're on you know, Steam or you, you you do whatever. That And you don't realize that that's, uh, this is a little more philosophical maybe. I found this. The older you get, the more you reach back. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're 25, 30, you're like you want to get out on your own, you know, your parents whatever you, you want to make. Then you kind of like you want you want to have the people and the friends around you who remember what Eric was like when he was 15, mm-hmm. when he was in high school and the stuff that you used to do together. That's the, and we have actually and now we like when you go somewhere, take a picture because we don't have a lot of stuff anymore because you didn't back in that day we didn't take a picture of a new restaurant. Maybe you didn't think about be, it. Yeah. I didn't think about it. There were all those stores in the mall. We never took pictures of Bunnenberger or Walden Books from my generation yeah. or Paperback books. Think of the Warner
0: Brothers store from the when Water I was Brothers a kid to get the little rocket
1: ships. We, we had a bookstore, the Paperback Booksmith I used to go mm-hmm. to all the time. And next door was a, a place that gave you, the served knishes, not like the Golden's. Knishes, right. But it was knishes. I used to go buy a book, sit there and have a knish. That was like part of my teenage experience. Like so, yeah. the island theater or the old movie theaters, stuff like that. And I think people really really, really vibe with that and, and we see it we see it in the numbers. And again, a lot of this is content we already have. Right. You know what I mean? So it's I always call it like like couch cushion money. Yeah. It's like it's like it's just waiting there to be to be picked up. And I'm and I'm and I'm lucky that this late in my career, I've actually found something that I'm really interested in doing, especially if I can meet somebody personally like 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 Tom Zafali, like this gent, and I can really get there and, and it's something I can see and, and, and touch. I think you know I feel very lucky when I get, when I get a story like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you were talking about you said it was called the way it was or something like that. I think now we our current version of that is the then and now, right? right. Jan runs that out sometimes. We'll have the photos of Victory Boulevard in nineteen twelve, and you're looking at it, and it's you know got a little horse and buggy and some oil street lamps and stuff like that. And then you see it today, and it's really. Quite jarring in a lot of ways, um, and or, so or, or the newspaper pages that we run out the historic yeah. page from the fifth. Oh, when I was an intern, I can't tell you how many vintage, how many
1: historic pages I did. I can't tell you how many stories I've gotten off those pages. There was, yeah, like, including the story about how Staten has continued to pay tax money for the subway line that was never built. Wow! Because on one of those pages, it had because they, the train line was supposed to go past their houses and it was fronted. People were paying money. Mm-hmm. When you can, it, it is. And you really can, like you said, not only
0: for us from a content view perspective, but we also just, I learned so much about the borough mm-hmm. going through that stuff, especially cause like I said, that was when I was an intern, I was doing a lot of these things. And like, I am a native Staten Islander. I've been here my whole life, but mm-hmm. you only really so, learn so much about your borough's history through school. You're learning US history, world history, Correct. all this kind of stuff. So when I got here and I was going through some of that content, I was like, Staten Island has a way more storied history than I realized Mm -hmm. in a lot of senses. Mm -hmm. And so I found that stuff really cool and interesting to learn about. And I think in some ways our readers feel the same. There's the people who are reading those kinds of things just because they want to reminisce and they want to look back. And then there's people who are like, wait, that happened here? That's pretty cool. And so I think that's kind of two sides of it as to why this resonates with our readers, but it certainly does. And so I was wondering, as one last thing before we go, if there's anything else on your on your hit list right now of Staten Island relics that you could maybe track down. I don't know
1: what that might be. I well, every, everybody talks about the Victory Diner, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, the Victory Diner after it was moved off of Richmond Road was was uh, destroyed in, in Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to do abandoned or vacant sites as well. I mean, I'd love to get inside. This is like my white whale. My kids know about it too. The old Wrigley uh, chewing gum factory that's, that's in Clifton. There's lottery stuff that I'm doing. Um, there's uh, people love mob stuff on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a, a thing yet, but but I'm sure I'll find it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tom. It's always a pleasure having you. you on and I uh, hope you enjoy the holidays and looking fun. forward to uh, all the work together in the new year. Absolutely. You as well. You're doing great work. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.